Hey, this is your Aunties Could Never, a podcast where you get to hear from your favourite aunties who have all the real talk with our thoughts on what's going on in the world. We'll be reminiscing about what it was like back in our day, and most importantly, we'll be helping you sort out your daily dynamics with advice only your coolest auntie will give. I'm Auntie AK, and I'm here with... Auntie Farah. <laughs> auntie Nana. Auntie Sade. And I'm Auntie Sarita. So, aunties, what have you heard? So I have heard Cardi B went on Instagram to say that her and Fashion Nova are partnering up to give away $1,000 every single hour. So it's 24 people a day to help them through this corona. I feel like it's the 16th of May or the 20th of May or sometime like that. But basically until it amounts to $1 million. There's no catches, there's no taps or anything like that. They're asking people to uh, send like a video or something like that through Fashion Nova. And then they will look at them and choose someone every hour basically who they can give the money to do you feel like more people should be doing stuff like that okay so firstly how do i enter and are they giving money in uk pound sterling because i want that (laughs) thousand although it wouldn't be a thousand would it it'd be less than a thousand it'd be like 900 or something listen i'll take it either way (laughs) also is black china getting involved because i know she does the whole fashion nova thing as well I don't think that she's getting involved. I think it's just at the moment purely Cardi B and Fashion Nova. So I don't know if she's given some of the money and they're given some of the money. They're just partnering up to do it. And I, I like it. It's really great. Mm. I like it. So I saw this. I thought it was amazing. I do love Cardi B. She's an unlikely politician, I think, kind of thing, undercover. And she really um, is for the people. That's Well, as she comes across anyway, she's for the people. And I thought um, it was good because she pointed out that the reason why they're doing this is because a lot of the time you donate to charities, you donate to organisations that you don't actually know where the money is actually going kind of thing or what is going to be paid for. And this is going to help people get this money as soon as possible, straight away kind of thing. Is And that's what the average American needs at the moment. Obviously, if they could give more to people, I'm pretty sure they, they would, but I just thought it was pretty... Um, it was pretty cool for them to do this, actually. And I think the link is, I think it's Fashion Nova forward slash care. Yes. Yeah, so my only question is, do you have to have purchased from Fashion Nova to enter? No, as far as I can see, like, she actually went as far as, as to say that there is no clause whatsoever. It's just send in your video. Your Instagram account has to be public so that they can look at you properly and they can review it to just see, like, your need is genuine. And she that, said she will be reviewing it along with this fashion over people. That was going to be my question. Is how do you de- demonstrate that you actually need the money? And do you have to kind of prove where it's going to go to? I think in the video, you have to say what you want to use it for. But she said it could be food, it could be bills, it could be rent, it could be anything to help you through this current process, this current um, time. Okay, so my bad. I thought um, you could get close with it. So maybe <laughs> I'm not <laughs> eligible. Although I wouldn't mind 900 pounds in Fashion Nova. So yeah, maybe I won't enter. Next headline, please. Mine's a little bit... Uh... <laughs> so you might have heard of uh, Quarantine Radio on Instagram. If you haven't, it's a live by Tori Lane uh, that's been going on, I think, a couple of nights every week. The whole premise of it is that he gets girls to uh, join the live and to twerk for him. And there's been a hell of a lot of debate around this there's been uk versions as well so this guy called swam yeah. is that how yeah. you say it wow. um he's been doing it too quarantine radio has actually got locked off yeah. and yesterday 
I saw that Adam Moson, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, who runs Instagram, he's the guy in charge, he done a live in the shade room and he was like, it's not banned, it's just that, you know, on Tory Lane's one, they uh, showed nudity, so they can't have any nudity. He himself said he loves it and he's here for it, he wants it to happen. The UK one, I will say, is a bit dodge because... <laughs> Some of these girls, the confidence that they have without actual talent is phenomenal. Twerking is a skill, right? Some of it is like acrobatics, to be honest. The debate I saw was people saying it's not feminist, can't be complaining about misogyny if you're supporting these kind of things or if you're watching these kind of things. Do you think that it's good for the culture or do you think it's against it? And is it like uh, harmful to women who participate and who watch? So Tory Lanez, he had a girl on there. And she got called out because she was on her... She had other things going on. And that's what I'm going to say. That's gross. It, it was gross. But that's what I'm going to say. But anyway, back to this whole thing. Yeah, there's English people trying to replicate it. I saw Nadia Rose. She was on Instagram yesterday. And she had men twerking. And the comments section was ridiculous. There were men coming out and saying, how can you be promoting this? XYZ. These are the same men that are watching Gyalem twerk up their backy hole on Tory lanes and every other man's Instagram feed. And they were getting upset because there were certain men that were whining better than the gal. I agree with you. It is a skill because I look at them and I'm like, how do you move one bum cheek and then the next bum cheek? Like, how do you do that? Like, even Megan the Stallion was out the other day and she did an interview on somewhere and they said to her, how do you feel about these women that are slating you because you twerk? And she was like, I love to twerk. I don't know if it's for the culture. It's not nothing new. People have been twerking in inverted commas for like decades. I just suppose how it's put out there now is the problem and what people are doing it for. The thousand dollars, I'm not too sure about. Twerk your ass off and see if you can get some money. That's a little bit. Me being an auntie, I didn't quite get what was going on and I saw this thing and I saw ZZ Mills and I saw Ohlone and all these people having debates about stuff and so I went down my own rabbit hole and I saw some of the videos with the milk and the jelly worm dildo that the woman was performing for last show on it and part of me is like okay this stuff goes on Felatio is the official word for giving help Okay, Palacio, Palacio. <laughs> the auntie climbed out there. <laughs> it was so auntie, her whole thing was so auntie. Anyway, <laughs> as I said, the Felacio, whatever, the giving head was um, performing an act or reenacting the act of giving head. Part of it is like, okay, you can do what you want. Feminism is about confidence of your body sexual empowerment, reclaiming it. However, it becomes a little bit shady when it is a man who's dictating the, the story of it all and being in control of that and giving money for it because then Aloni, um, she's a social media influencer, she put up the debate. She said, girls, only do this challenge if you're in a secure relationship. Go and tell your man you're going to twerk on um, Tory Lanez's Instagram page and then screenshot his response. Obviously, the majority responses were from boyfriends ranging from it's over if you do that till I'll physically do something to you if you do that. So it's that whole stereotype and the sexism behind this, that this whole thing about good girls and bad girls. Good girls will never be allowed to do that. But yet there's this group of bad girls that are allowed to do this thing and they're good enough for, to get up on these things and twerk, but they're not good enough to be housewives and girlfriends. And this is a narrative that follows women 
all the way. And that's the part that I don't like about it. It's very sexist, that stereotype and stigma that comes with women who are sexually free becoming automatically seen as hoes and prostitutes and women not to be treated with respect. And regards to the culture, we've all grown up in hip hop culture. I've grown up with girls twerking and doing everything and men talking about calling us bitches, hoes, and talking about how much sex they get from women, all this misogynist conversation. Grown up around it, I kind of got used to it. But I just, I am disappointed in that our culture seems to revolve so heavily around sex and I don't know why it has to go hand in hand. Like the N word and all these things that this subculture of our culture and because we're so influential, you can't, even though it's like, yes, this is for adults, you know that there's going to be a bunch of young girls watching this. And as you go down to the swarms type videos where you've got girls that, I saw one girl that didn't look 100%. She looked like everything was in place in her brain. So it's like, you're going to have these women who are vulnerable or young girls who are vulnerable feeling like this is what they need to do. And in having conversations with my young daughter, she's like, yeah, now there's lots of girls who are feeling pressure, but they have to perform for the gram in order to get attention because there's this space of boredom, especially that they want to be relevant. So like you said, um, girls having to get naked on the ground, but even in terms of the whole mummy blogger things, the whole body positivity thing, get naked, get more likes, it, you know it's going to happen. I could wear a swimsuit tomorrow and be like, embrace your curves. And I will get more likes than I've never got before. The quarantine videos, I haven't tuned in. I found really, it's probably not even called quarantine videos. What's it called? I sound like a proper auntie there. Quarantine, <laughs> quarantine radio. radio. Quarantine radio. So I haven't been watching. My sister staying with me under quarantine. She's in there like, I think she's 29, but she's been watching. And I was like, what are you laughing at? I don't get it. And she showed me, and it was a girl that had a glass of milk between her bum cheeks. Yeah. And I was like, I, what is, I, I don't get it. What is going on? And then she explained. So I was like, all right, strippers, get your money. Because obviously strip clubs are going to be closed. So strippers, get your money. But then it's normal girls as well. So I'm like, mm, leave it to the strippers. Let them get their money carry on that kind of thing but every day girls you take a seat and watch and give the strippers the money and yeah it is sexist i don't like the whole thing of the the guys telling them what to do the guys need to shut up let the girls perform let it be some kind of different kind of platform where there's strippers getting together and getting their money rather than the guys taking over. What I saw early on with, especially on the UK gossip pages, was a lot of UK girls didn't want to be involved because of the, they were thinking about their reputation and that sort of thing. I felt really, and maybe this is kind of like a product of just conditioning, but I felt really different when people like Miss Banks were doing it. Like it didn't feel so offensive to me. Do you know what I mean? And maybe because she is a woman. I do think there's an entertainment factor into it, like X Factor. When you see people who can't do it so well, that can be entertaining. I think the UK guy, he, to be honest, is kind of a little bit cruel at the same time. But it feels like those people in X Factor who the producers know that can't sing, but they put them in front of the judges anyway, and it poses entertainment. Even to try and answer my own question, I'm in the middle. I feel like if that's what you want to do and you're confident enough you're secure within yourself and you're making an informed decision then yes go ahead and do it but I do as well wonder about you know the more vulnerable viewers not just of girls but of guys as well thinking that that this is okay or this is normal and then also I just think it's just interesting I kind of get why but it's interesting that Instagram are even letting this happen things like the cucumber challenge girls sucking a cucumber as if they would be sucking 
a dick. For last year. <laughs> For last year. Yes. Yes. Um, and I think it's about trying to get as much in your mouth as possible. Um, I think one girl done it on a doorknob or something. I don't know if it was part of the same challenge. That was actually before Corona. Like, honestly, that's disgusting. Do you know when people touch doorknobs? It's gross. It's just so gross. But things like that, that's been allowed to be on platforms, you know, like TikTok and like Instagram. And I just think it's just interesting not to trying to stop what people want to do if, if someone comes into Tory Lane um, live, like whose responsibility is it if that girl is underage? Do you know what I mean? Whose responsibility is it if she's not of sound mind? The ones that I watched, I was watching the UK, so I didn't actually know it was in America first and then Swam. I found Swam. I think he came up on my thing, just his picture, and then I clicked on his picture, went to stories and saw it and was like, how is this allowed to go on on Instagram? Like, I think I saw five women and two of them, I would say, were definitely on crack. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Ilford Lane prostitute. Like, definitely. It's scuzzy, but I think this kind of um, downtrodden part of our culture, nobody cares to show it because it's only touching poor minorities and you're only doing it to basically pay your bills and live. And so on that side, I am like, I understand for the women and the men that are in it, it's poverty that's taking you there. And then somebody gets rich and it becomes glamorous. And then you have a glamorized version of this actually seedy life become a part of popular culture, but still, our institutions don't care because it doesn't touch their children. And that's the thing that I find it really soul-destroying, actually, that this becomes normalised because it's not normal to middle-class and upper-class people. They can watch it and be purely entertained like they have done for millennia, watching poor people kill themselves in arenas, having people do bear fighting. It's the same thing. Now it's just sex is their entertainment but it affects our community. So I'm absolutely, like, I watched it just like, fuck, I can't believe this is okay. But then I wasn't surprised because a lot of music videos, I'm like, this is absolutely disgusting, yeah. but they don't care. Shada, you might have said it before, it's just the people that are on it and then they're making fun of them. Cause I saw there was one girl on it and she, woman, should I say, it was an American one. And the guy said to her, I will give you a thousand dollars now if you can put your legs behind your head so she tried and she and she wasn't doing it and then she was getting upset she was like well what, why do I have to sit on the chair and do it and then she got on the bed and she tried and she tried and she tried and it's funny but it's not funny yeah. you know he's obviously doing it because he knows that she's not she's not a dancer she's not skilled in that way but it's funny for him and he must have got like however amount of views so that if there is that whole thing, it's not being um, policed, is it? Is there a white equivalent to this? Because cause black culture, I say black culture, I'm not going to say urban or nothing like that. We drive the culture at this point. I always think that things that are popular in our world, is it going on in the Taylor Swift world and in the One Direction world? Those people that like that specifically pop, are things like that happening in their world to entertain them? And if not, why? And why is our culture so continuously like that? But at the same time, I, I'm not going to be a full auntie hypocrite and say, I admire strippers and twerkers and all that type of stuff. I might try again on my own personal space. However, once it goes into the outward sphere, 
I'm a bit more conscious about what is this doing to us because we do have a problem with relationships in our community. We do have a problem with how girls and boys view each other in this community and it translates into how we are as adults. We have still have this issue, even though society has an issue with relationships in general, because we tend to be seen as the bottom rung community of people across the globe, it affects us in different ways. Like when people say, you know, gangster films are popular amongst everyone, but we know that a film about road men and stuff affects our culture differently because we are so close to the realities of those kind of existences. And I was going to say this, there's another thing called, is it OnlyFans? And I can now set up an OnlyFans site and do all I what I want and people can pay me directly. So I don't understand why that's legal because then prostitution is illegal. So we have to look at those kind of guidelines. However, that I would feel maybe a bit more, because maybe there's a bit more regulation. I have no idea about that site. I'm just bringing it up. But I feel like maybe there's some policy regulation where you could do something like that in there. But something like Instagram, it's the same when Lizzo was criticised when her stuff was taken down and she accused um, Snapchat of saying they were being seismic towards her. However, their argument was it's a youthful platform. So what you're doing is a little bit beyond what we expect. Let's take sizism out of it. You're being a bit too sexually explicit. And we know young people use our platform. Young people use Instagram. And it's very hard at this point now to put all the responsibility on parents unless parents come six o'clock in the evening, you're taking your kid's phone, laptop, all the devices that they need to, to survive in this earth that's made of dependent on devices and internet. Take them all away, lock them up until the next morning. And even then, doesn't stop them from seeing stuff when they go to school and, off, and stuff like that. So there's now more than parental responsibility when it comes to apps that are so widely accessible and things like that. So I just, I'm with Can you. Can I now. just um, clarify that um, the people especially in the UK, the majority of people that I've seen have been white. It's not a black-only thing. I just want to clarify that. More poverty around black culture. Than, than colour. Yes, agree. Is it driven by us? Is it's it a driven white... by black men. Each yeah. time I've yeah. seen it, it's yeah. been a black man that's been the host. Yeah. So I just think it's a fine line between sex workers and all of this other stuff. I'm a firm believer that something needs to be legalized just so there are regulations amongst all of this because there are sex workers that don't have an issue with, the, with doing sex work that's their job they enjoy it but obviously there's that side of sex trafficking and pimps making girls do what they don't want to do and children something needs to be legalized within this and I was going to say the whole thing about possibly white culture not getting down with this they do this. Strip club is a very white corporate thing. They will take their monies and go to strip clubs and get their private dances. And this is just normal. Like guys will take their clients to entertain them to strip clubs and take their money. And it's corporate money, corporate credit card on strippers. I don't think it's a black white thing. I think the whole sex industry as a whole just comes in different forms. I feel like when you say corporate and stuff, people don't think black when they think corporate. They think white when it comes to corporate and escorts and those type of things. But yes, there's something, as we said, that with our culture, it's kind of a debasing thing where the value in black women and or women, I'll say women in general, but first and foremost, black women in that point and black girls, then it's working class girls and working and women. It's a different type of perspective that people don't put black people and corporate and sex in the same category. They see it as the seedier side of things or the... I think if you look at the sex workers here in the UK, you're going from obviously strippers that are, are in like, you know, the high end places in um, the West End to like 
the ones that are in pubs collecting pounds in months. It's just not the same world as it's kind of glamorized in America. I think there's definitely much more of an infrastructure there. Here it's like very seedy, very underground, close proximity to the nastier sides of things. You don't have many success stories of strippers paying or, you know, sex workers in the UK paying their way through college or university to, you know, become a doctor or whatever. And you do have that career path with Cardi B, Eve. Do you know what I mean? There's examples of that there. And that world is, I think the American side is definitely more black. And that's why it's popular there. But in the UK side, like I said, the majority of the people going in were white. And with the white girls, I guess I was just curious, why would you do this? Whether it's like, you're trying to prove something, you're trying to get validation. See like a lot of twerk classes, they're very diverse. Like people want to prove, oh, I can do this move or I've got, you know, it kind of gives credit to maybe the circles they're in and that sort of thing. Um, but like I said, with the responses and you're seeing in comments, there's just so many black girls who are just like, no, not doing this, not doing it. And I have to like, think of my, my future, there was much more of an awareness of like, this could be potentially damaging for me. And that whether that is actually feeding into misogyny anyway, because if oh, my boyfriend tells me I can't do it, I can't do it, what's that really? Are you not free to do what you want to do anyway? America, they're very loud and proud and they will do things and everyone's behind them and they love a sob story and they're like, you can do anything. Whereas Britain's not the same. They like you to keep humble and stay in your place and stay in your lane. So I think in terms of British strip clubs and everything, it's very hush-hush. You don't get to know the things. I only know what goes on because my husband's got a big mouth and he tells me what's going on to a certain extent, certain extent. But I do think it's just, I think it's the culture. It's definitely different. Like my sister was saying, there's no way I would be twerking on camera. I'm like, if I had the body, I would be doing it in roller skates. <laughs> it's like, no, it's different. You can't. Your mum will see you. Da, da, da. It doesn't matter what culture you're in. Within Britain, there's a reserved, we're down here, America's up there with their personality. I get that in regards to the culture differences. What came to my mind was then, do black men, regardless of in America over here, black men are the drivers of this current trend? So I'm, I suppose I'm asking, none of us are black men. Should they care? Do they care about how... Because you have this whole thing where black men don't want to be seen as sexual predators and the stereotype of the black rapist who just can't control his dick. However, time and time again, inserting into the culture is this whole braggadocio, hold my balls, my dick is big. And also I've got all these hoes that will do what I want on my timeline. And then you have the whole thing of white men not wanting to be a black man, but wanting everything a black man does. So the owner of Instagram that loves what Tory Lanez is doing, of course you love it, because not none of your sisters and your, none of your culture is involved, but you've got a black man that's driving this. Yeah, you, of course I'm for the culture. It's okay, but let's turn it down. It's all right, you guys do it. And as I can't remember who said it with his nano and that's Shade who said that, yeah, because it's not their culture that's being affected by this in the majority. Because maybe if it was um, Justin Timberlake, maybe not even Justin, because he's kind of pretends he's, Dark white, um, dark. <laughs> he's turkey. He's like, he's like, he's like black. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like black. Or maybe there's someone like, or someone like, um, I don't know, what's a popular white pop artist? You know, I know. Easy. Post Malone or no, no, no one who's hip hop. No, someone like oh. um, um, the Jonas Brothers. If the Jonas Brothers yeah. were doing it, in, in extreme contrast, what would happen? Would a middle America be like, oh my god, like, oh my gosh? Becky, look at that. Just as you were saying that. I was thinking that's quite an interesting 
position to be in because even when you said Jonas Brothers, I was like, no, nah, it would never happen because they would lose their income very quickly. So all of your endorsements, you'd get dropped. It wouldn't be acceptable because they are such a face of middle America, wholesome guys, good living, middle America, Bible Belt. Like you're going to be accepted. If you had, it goes against all of their brand. And that's really the black artists that get pushed into our face. They come with that culture and they're the ones that are presented. It's not that this is how black men are. I think it's the ones that actually get put in front of us are like that. And they're selected because they don't care about the family. They are about money. It's all consumerism, but they're the ones that are put in front of us for that reason. Yeah, it links in with target audience. It's marketing. It wouldn't work for the Jonas Brothers. Even Jay-Z, he can do that now. Mm. No way. But go back 10, 20 years or whatever, he could because it was his personal brand. Cardi B could get away with it and prosper. Maybe it's not even authentic. It's just part of their branding. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just this lives in hip hop. So whoever controls hip hop, whatever narrative they want to push forward, that's what it is, you know? And it's cool for people who are not part of the culture to be supporting what they think hip hop should be. But then also as well, like when you see other races getting involved and actually participating, it's to validate, like, I'm part of this. I can do this. Almost like I'm one of you, really. Or there's no difference between me and you. That's why I think it's just got such an appeal. And okay, hip hop has really come this far. Because if you think about it, like even Jump Off used to have booty shaking competitions. Do you know what I mean? Where they'll get people out of the crowd and get them to compete, you know? It's come a long way, but it's not necessarily going to do anything positive for us, put it that way. Yes, yeah. I think that's the crux of it. Because like I said, I'm a product of hip hop. There's lyrics and songs that I've sung that I can't really sing now as an auntie. I can't rap along to, you know, Ain't No Fun If the homies can't have an... Oh, God, I sound like such an auntie trying to even say the lyrics now. <laughs> it just doesn't work anymore. And I used to say that, you know, word for word, bar for bar, and have this whole persona. But as an adult, I'm like, oh, wow, this is a lot. So I can't look at this. It is the part of the culture, but it is. Sex sells. So if a rock band was to do this, I don't even know who's a prolific rock band in that vein who could do this and they would probably get away with it too because sex, drugs and rock and roll goes with their brand as well. So I get that. Jay-Z could do it if he, because he's hip hop. No, 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 no. Okay, wait, 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 hear me out, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Because he's done such an about change, sure, he's become grown folks. But I still think because he's one of the uncles of hip hop, if he so decided, not saying he wouldn't get backlash or anything like that, but if he so decided, Trust me, I think he would still get support. No, no, no I don't trust you at all. No, I, I, me neither. No, no one. Me neither. I don't no. think Jay-Z could do this anymore. But what I was going to say is it's interesting, though, because it isn't just hip-hop. It's hip-hop interprets it in a different way. But booty shaking and all that stuff, you get that in dance hall. You get that in soca. Them oh, things are yeah. celebrated. You know, it's just looked at in a different way. It isn't as seedy in soca for people to wind up their waist. And, you know, it's just how it's interpreted is yeah. very, very different. But no, Jay-Z could not come out and start doing that shit now. No way, Jose. No. 
I just think he could repackage it and brand it. And because he's because of who he is, I think he could do it. I think there'll be backlash, but I think he could do it. Jay Z, the husband of Beyonce. No, <laughs> no, the, the father of Ruby and and sir. and sir and sir and Blue. No, but I agree with you, Farah, in terms of that. Yes, of course, like with dancehall and so sorry, freedom, expression, fun. I kind of grew up on dancehall, and like it was never really a CD thing. I think mm. nowadays with the whole daggering thing, maybe it's kind of going in that way, really and truly. But with that style, it also does show the talent. Not everyone can jump and flip and drop in a split and one on their head. And, you know, it's, it's just not an average thing. But I do think that it's probably been more respected than twerking and stuff. I was just going to say, Jay-Z could never ask the lemonade. Are you mad? Are you mad? <laughs> he would get gunned. He got gunned for when lemonade came out and everyone's like, hmm. And have you noticed that he's transitioned into uncle status after lemonade? He could never come on stage or anywhere or any type of social media with strippers and their bum bums, everything. Never! I just say, listen, my point is, obviously Jay-Z and how we know him now couldn't do it. I'm saying Jay-Z could. I said it's about branding how he packaged it. So there'd be a whole lot of things he'd have to change. However, I do think he could do it. I'm not saying there wouldn't be a crazy response. What I was going to say about the culture, the only thing about all of this is how it affects us in our immediate community and unfortunately whether it's daggering dancehall hip-hop all that type of stuff because we have a problem with sex relationships and how women are viewed in our community i believe so some of these things are born out of it and influence it it's like a vicious circle catch 22 we're great it's great to be celebrated we're owning our sexuality however the extremisms of it all it affects us in different ways Okay, so uh, my news headline, Drake's house. Drake was in, um, oh, I can't remember the magazine. Architecture Deep Digest. Thank you, <laughs> Auntie Farah. His house was snapped for Architecture Digest. Yeah, and everyone is kind of like going in saying how ridiculous his house is. And me personally, I think it's all right. It's very marble. It's very grand. It's very mafia wife kind of led I could be sitting there with my furs and diamonds and but yeah everyone's taking a mick but I was like okay if you had millions upon millions upon millions of pounds would you have a big bad and bougie house or would you stay humble kind of like um do you watch Housewives of Atlanta Candy she's got millions upon millions but I know she's very humble and she doesn't do outlandish things so I wanted to say what would you do? Big, bad and bougie or humble? So Drake, just to throw it out there, I'm not a massive fan. However, I thought his house matched him because he's got X amount of million pounds. It's his home in Toronto. It's one of his houses. You know, there was a lot of gold. There was a lot of marble. There was a lot of all of that kind of stuff. But what, do you, what did they expect him to be living in a one bedroom flat? He's not going to be living in a one bedroom flat. It is going to be outlandish and extravagant. I think if I had, if I had his money, I'm not saying I would furnish it in the same sort of a way, but I have a mansion, you know, it would be luge, most definitely. I'd also have like an apartment somewhere in the city, but if you've got money to burn and it's of no object, then why not, is what I say. Candy invests in a lot of different stuff and she doesn't have Drake money. She's got money, but she ain't got Drake money. So I suppose it's where you live and she's in Atlanta. I bet she's got a lot of acres around her even if her house is not you know it doesn't look like Scarface owned it before her 
I would go firmly for huge, big, opulent for one house. Like every house would have a crazy theme. So I'd definitely go down that road where you think Versace ran around in my house. I'd have a house like that because <laughs> I love like, you know, like going into museums and you go through like the kind of that gold and, and velvet and marble. I'd have a house like that. And then I'd have a super tech house that you snap your fingers and like the floor lights up and all of that jazz as well. But Drake money, I would definitely have about 25 houses around the world. <laughs> I think it would, yeah, I could live wherever and pay no tax and hang out with Jeff Bezos. And then I'll take over Jamaican music. Yeah, I'll take over dancehall and just like insert myself in that. Like Drake. Yeah, he'll I'll just leave. emulate Drake. I'll go about the world and be like, yeah, I'm going to just step into that music scene and make more money. And claim it. Yeah. <laughs> I think we lifestyles of the rich and famous is standard. Um, do you know what it is? People who don't have money are thinking about the pensu because it would be like, oh gosh, that's a waste of money. But if you've got it and you know you've got it, as long as he's got a good relationship with his accountant and his tax man and all that stuff and turns in his things at April 15th or whenever it is, <laughs> it's no one's business, isn't it? He can have what he wants if he's got the money. I would have, I, uh, do you know what I think? Again, I'm thinking like a poor person, I guess. I would be conscious of a mansion because I think of all the space and like rooms where someone could be hiding to jump out and all that type of stuff. <laughs> but I'd have a decent sized house with amount of decent sized rooms to suit me. I don't know. I'd think family wise enough to, you know, get my friends over, get everyone that is in my immediate circle and my immediate family could have a room or self, not wings, rooms to themselves. And yeah, maybe a couple of houses in a couple of countries, definitely New York, LA, and then Ghana. I, I think people just been watching, watching. I'd always go for somewhere big because I, I look at these, you know, like these um, properties that you get in like, I don't know, West London and them sort of places. And it's like an, you get an apartment and the apartment is 6.5 mil and stuff like that. And it's a view overlooking the train tracks. I'd not have that. If I'm going to spend 6.5 mil, I need to be able to do cartwheels in a tractor in my garden. I think I'd probably have like a base that was pretty humble but I'd buy an island for sure yeah yeah I'd, yeah, I'd start yeah. my own country I'd have to yeah I've got to have some citizens and stuff and yeah yeah but I wouldn't I wouldn't make it public um so I don't know if everyone saw the clip from TikTok of this young girl who basically made a racist um TikTok oh. against another young girl and she basically called the girl like a black pig she said like lots of different things but her closing line that she should go and pick cotton and um make her a t-shirt so the original video was of said girl she's a white girl she basically was dancing to a song which talks about all the attributes of black women so brown hair brown skin uh, wide hips and this lady responded and didn't really say much but was like mm, that's not you so what you're saying you are what you're presenting in this song is not you and the racist uh, girl because she's racist she just made this PowerPoint TikTok to respond. Part of my question is, do you think that these platforms have more responsibility to dealing with these types of things? And then what do you think should happen to people, especially young people who engage in racist behavior? So I saw this, I think I commented, but I was surprised at how quick <laughs> Black Twitter found the girl's name, her yeah. age, her year, where she lives, 
her mum's Facebook page, oh, wow. her school, mm-hmm. her Instagram, her everything. So people have sent her video to her school. Her school have actually responded and they've um, reported it to the police. So the police are apparently dealing with it. So obviously, I guess it would be under a hate crime. At the same time, I'm like, yeah, TikTok, if we can see it and it's been discussed on other platforms, it should be taken down. Because if people are saying this was a TikTok video, she's representing TikTok. The same way she's representing her school or her workplace. I do love it when people go for um, LinkedIn profiles and they tell their their corporate businesses about how they've been racist online. It should have been taken down. First moment. Just like how they take down um, videos with music in it, they should act the same way when it comes to racism, homophobia, everything. Any type of hate crime, because it's illegal at the end of the day. Take it straight down. How old is she? Um, She is... 15, 16, in year 11. So she's currently doing her GCSEs. So I guess she's not going to do her GCSEs. I think she should be locked out of that social media platform. TikTok should take it down and they should be fined if they've taken too long. I think there should be some sort of call and response where if you don't act on it, because as we've all discussed before, that if you do something like music violation, your video is instantly blocked. So how come things like this don't get instantly blocked and then reviewed post like music clips and stuff like that. They know how to do that very quickly. That's where the money and business side comes into it. But even though she's been racist, and I'm not excusing it at all, obviously. You know when there was the video of the young girls who beat up, it's a black girl thing. I think one girl bust up some other black girl. And I saw that grown people were reposting the video saying, get these girls because they're bad and they're trouble and then all this type of stuff. And I saw a couple of black celebrities, it was a UK thing, I saw a couple of black people with big platforms sharing it. And I thought, actually, even though I've had a daughter who's been a victim of bullying, all that type of stuff, and I would want those girls punished, the girl who did it punished. However, people are forgetting that everyone involved is young. This girl who's 15, 16, she's been racist. I'm not excusing that and she should be punished duly. However, this sharing and reposting and coming for her, part of it is, yes, payback, because you're on a platform and you should know better, but she is 15, 16, so there's an element of youth and foolishness and stupidity. And I am aware that I can be hypocritical because someone else might do something and it will affect me. And I'm like, get them, get them fully, get them. But I think it applies to everyone. There has to be an element of thinking, what's the background? What, who are they? Where have they come from? And all that type of stuff. I think they should be blocked. She shouldn't be allowed on the platform. She should get into trouble with her school. TikTok should get fined if it's up for longer than a day or something like that. Apparently, so because so many people have been sharing it, the police actually responded and said that they wanted people to stop sharing it because potentially if they went to court and people on the jury, they could potentially see it and stuff. But I just thought that that was a bit interesting, right? So in other cases where the perpetrator isn't necessarily uh, a white person, you don't really see the police coming out and making statements like that. So I thought that was a little bit hypocritical. I do think that TikTok do have a responsibility because when you post on TikTok, their logo and your name is like right there. But I do see part of the difficulty because with music, there's an algorithm, right? And also as well that every music thing has an ID, then you just need to say this is the ID, and if someone's used it, it's flagged immediately. With this kind of thing, it's a bit more difficult. However, Amber from last year's Love Island made a point of like, for her, if she posts a picture and you see a little bit of side boob, it's down immediately. So there are people monitoring, so maybe they're focusing on nudity and things like that, but they're not focusing on this. And I think that's where the disservice is being done. I feel like she's too young 
to be demonised. Like, I watched it and was like, Ugh. It just seemed like real schoolgirl, this person's offended me and I'm going to go in on an attack. Very immature. So I wasn't really offended by it but I don't know if that's just my sensibilities on real racism that is more institutional and systemic that actually affects us really I call that racism than somebody poking fun at black history I just think like you're a fool and she's 15 so I didn't really get the uh, attacks that she was suffering I was a bit like this is also stupid like sometimes when I when I look at racist posts or people and they've said something racist and the venom that is, it goes towards them. I'm like, this is really stupid because there are real things that really affect us and nobody even talks about it. But when somebody says something, which is just words, all the venom goes at the words and it's like, no, there's real actions that need real action. But because just writing something isn't real action, it's very easy to do. So loads of people do that when really your energy really should be on lobbying various different institutions to change their racist policies because that actually directly affects us properly. Racist words, I don't really care. Possibly sometimes we feel like that because we're just used to it. So we've been numbed to what is racist and what isn't and all, all levels of racism, should I say. When I saw this, I'm with you guys, I, thought, I felt like getting all the pitchforks out and coming for her is not the appropriate thing to do. What should happen is that she should be reported to her school and all of that stuff because she is of the sense that it's okay when you're having a slanging match to say to someone, why don't you just go and pick some cotton and make me a t-shirt? I'd like to know what her parents teach her because you can't just so casually say certain things without you hearing it and feeling like it's acceptable from somewhere. Remember we were talking about the police officer and she got in trouble for um, getting the WhatsApp message. There should be something online where showing and retweeting these kind of posts. Surely that goes against like inciting racial hatred because you're sharing the message. I don't think I agree with that actually in terms of like reposting things because I think it, it kind of gets us to a dangerous place do you know what I mean I think social media is actually very good at highlighting concerns I just think that if people didn't rush and didn't protest this person her school might not have known I think like when it comes to racism or racist comments it's almost seen as like oh that could be passed off as it's nothing especially when you put something on social media the impact is just so much more because it's not just a one person right you're not saying it to someone's face it could potentially be a huge audience so that I think has an effect on just our consciousness as people. If this was a young person in the UK say something um, anti-Semitic, they'll be shut down immediately. It's always it's also about policing our thoughts and um, whose point is valid. Because if I'm I might not be offended by this girl's racist comments because I have the bigger thinking that you know what the powers that be are the ones we need to go for. However, someone else might be super offended because of something in their life. Say it's about power because us as black people in general don't have the power structures to affect change. Now, people make homophobic comments. I think there's, even though people, again, I'm, it's, it's like even I'm stumbling to say it because we're so policed in speaking out about LGBTQ culture and lifestyle that there is such a power behind speaking about this community of people 
that you can easily get shut down. Whereas black people, we still don't have that infrastructure where saying something about us will get much consequences, unless it's a consequences, unless it's in the extreme. We have police who can get away with killing us. Evidence on video and they don't go to jail and people still look at victim that's dead as a guilty party. So this, this is how little power we have in society. The Jewish community, the LGBTQ community have bigger power structures that affect bigger change than we do as black people. So I think that's why we react to every little thing that whether it's big or however you perceive it, big or small, every racist thing that we see, we react because you know what? We have no power everywhere, anywhere else or not enough power that affects global conversations that where you can really get in trouble. Also, it's interesting that with racism, she feels she can get away with it, but she, I'm sure she would think twice about saying something about Jews or about people who are gay. So it's just, it's just the, the society, the societal structures. Racism is like, whatever, you can get away with it. And that needs to be nipped in the bud. It's all well and good us being aunties so we can see that, okay, there's much more bigger problems, but when you're young, that world is your problem. Hey, I'm Auntie Farah and you're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. Now it's time for your aunties to fix up your life with Aunties Know Best. Who's got a dilemma? So my dilemma came in the inbox. It's from someone who's quite young. She's 17 and she's saying, I'm 17 and I've just had a baby. However, I'm struggling because my mum is really overbearing. Um, she's claiming my baby as hers. She's not giving me room to raise my baby and I'm feeling the pressure because I just want to raise my child. We come from a big family. My mum had me when she was young and she, but yet she's treated me like I'm incapable. We come from a kind of quite cultural background. So this whole respect thing, I'm a bit scared. I can't really tell my mum. I'm appreciative for her support. However, I just want to be able to make my own mistakes and raise my baby. What should I do? So girls, what should she do? Bearing in mind she's 17 and she's a young mum. And she's, by the way, she said she's living in her mum's place. She doesn't, she doesn't live by herself. I think she should just be, I'm going to say honest, but semi-honest. But she should tell her mum how she feels in a small way, not to offend or be rude. But she should definitely speak up now because I think the more she doesn't say anything, I think the resentment will build up there and it will become more and more difficult as she gets older. I think the easiest way I can think of if the dialogue isn't there already, if they don't have that relationship established where she feels she could actually bring this to her mum without it going left, is to find an auntie or an uncle to be a proxy and speak to that auntie or uncle more frankly about how you're feeling and you find somebody that is wise, that is diplomatic, that is able to keep situations calm maybe even a grandparent to go to, to actually mediate in this. If you don't have anybody like that, write a letter. Write all of your feelings down and be very considered how, you're, how you word it. Maybe you have a friend who you consider quite wise, go to that friend, so just read over your letter and then hand that over to your mum. Plan C would be to try and find your own independence because you're, you're a mother now. I was just going to say, did you say that she had, her mum is a young mum as well? Yes, she is. I was just going to say that maybe she should approach it in that kind of respect, like, now I'm in this situation myself, how did you find it when you had me with granny or whoever it is that you were with, so that she can just say, how did you manage to have your independence and raise me the way that you wanted? And then that could lead on to the conversation of, as you know, I do think it's important for me to have my own parenting style. And I'm appreciative of everything that you do, 
but it is important for me to do things myself and how else am I going to learn? I am your child, but I have a child and it's important for me to do certain things on my own. Maybe she could do it in that sense. Because I think grandparents are always a little bit, do it this way, do it that way, no matter how old you are. When I found out I was pregnant at 23, I had to seek my big sister to come with me to speak to my mum because I was scared. Um, so that, just to back to Nana's point about getting someone who could be the mediator and broker, broker the conversation. Because actually my mum reacted better than I thought. No, no, okay, no, she acted extremely dramatically. She went into a room and started praying to the Lord as to why this happened to her daughter. However, she was, um, it was still better than I thought. And my, it really helped having my big sister there. And I think back and I really crack up now. And also just to say, when I came home, cause I was living independently and then I had to come back to my mum's while I was waiting to be housed. And that was a struggle because at that point I'd been living independently and I had to come back to rules and regulations. My mum's a traditional Ghanaian mum and it was problems. And she was on my neck, get up, sort your baby out, to the point where she was telling me off if I wanted to go out and all that type of stuff. And it was a problem, but, and I, I grew up under that kind of thing where, you know, we've got to be respectful, can't really answer back. I was a little bit shouty, but in the end I was like, I'm getting out soon. So I counted down to leaving. When I left, our relationship was a bit better because she recognized that actually I've got this. It's fear. This girl's mum is scared as well. Yeah, I'm probably not going to have the most popular opinion. I think if you're 17, you're living in your mum's house and what your mum says really goes. If you want that independence, then you kind of got to move out. Especially, if, I don't know where she's from. Is she African or... She Indian didn't. Or... She just said she's from okay. a cultural background. But only way you're going to get that kind of freedom is if you move out, um, which can be difficult and challenging, as well as having a conversation. It's also looking at the positive in your situation. You've got a roof over your head. You've got people there to support. A lot of people don't have that. They don't, or might not even have someone that can mediate, but yeah from that conversation would not be heard in any sort of positive way at all you should be grateful that you're even allowed to be in this country still <laughs> and have a child do you know what I mean exactly so I think Caribbean culture is not dissimilar to that I got pregnant at 35 okay and no when I told my mum it wasn't like she got the balloons out and made a banner it was still like what do you mean it was still like, and I was 35 when I got pregnant even now with my mum and how like she is with my daughter when, when she wants to tell me certain things I have to say it back to her in a way that she doesn't get offended because it's just manners in it if one grew up with you be respectful of your elders and that kind of thing but that's that's why I feel like she needs to know how she's approaching it before it, she gets a slap in the face. You could be 17 and a mum little more, it doesn't matter. Approach it in a way that can be beneficial to her, to what she's trying to get at. But she's gonna need a babysitter. She better know what she's dealing with. It doesn't indicate whether she's a, when I say good girl, I'm not saying you're, she's bad for having a child at 17. We don't know the circumstances. However, we don't know if she's a little bad you who was out there mm. and the mum's been climbing the walls and saying, listen, you need to allow it because this is, you're going down this path. So that's obviously not indicated in the letter. So I've gone on the response that you're a lovely little girl and you've just had a baby and it's all very nice. <laughs> However, there is the reality that, look, as Sade said, think, look at the positives because you do need to line up them babysitting credits. Trust me, even though when I moved out, I was back with my baby under my arm. Mum, going out. Here you go. go take your granddaughter. <laughs> and even a mum will be cussing. She'll be smiling at the same way to have that conversation. Are we not going to have any more? My nails.
my nails under quarantine are busted and I'm like itching to take them off. If you noticed before, I had a bit of super glue. So I'm currently super gluing them back and trying to save face. Do I just cut them off or shall I get some kind of acrylic stuff to do the infills myself? But either way, the answer is going to be undesirable. Therefore, it is a true dilemma. This is a real dilemma. This is it real. is. This is this is what we needed to really be discussing because I've I've gone through it. So my know. nails had actually got really long, like they they natural as well. They they were there because of this situation that we're all in. I had to cut them all off and and treat this time to just start again. I thought maybe this is like going into the wilderness, back to nature, just like begin again so I cut them all down I'm not going to paint them I'm going to really like this is like a sacrificial um example of quarantine life so yeah I, I feel you should join me you should remove your nails file them you should go back to basics and grow your own nails I recently rejoined the nail party I wasn't doing my nails for many years and I thought you know what I can't take it because my nails look trash so I've started doing my nails again and I was about four sets in or three sets in when this nonsense happened and the first week they cracked and for the first time I have had pain I've had the whole thing I hate about um, extension nails when they crack in the middle and your nails bleeding and sore I had everything going on so I think is this a sign is a lockdown a sign I've got to stop wasting money on fake nails I'm not going to however during this time I've made peace with the fact I don't have no nails I'm not going to have no nails during this time I've gone natural I will be post-quarantine going back to do my nails. I just might change how I do them. I might not have them so long because I just can't handle it. I'm always, I'm quite clumsy. So I don't want that pain. I hate that pain. But I think you should stop trying to save them with super glue. Stop that. No. Get, take them off. Chill out. You're not going anywhere. It's fine. Um, and then maybe if you go to a shop run, you can go to a supermarket and get press-on nails. It's not, it's not a big deal. They, they do, they, they're much better now. They're, they're better than what they were back in the day. You can get ones that look quite nice. So I think there's ways around it if you really are attached to having nails. Other than that, just chill out, take them off. When you treat yourself post-quarantine, man. I was having this debate with my cousin. My cousin has long extension nails. And she, she did a whole thing yesterday and she chopped them off. Like, she chopped them off, she filed them down, she got them off and then she's done her own nails and they look wicked. And it was funny because I don't have fake nails, but I have gel gel on my nails. So I was on Amazon yesterday looking at nail kits because I quite like having nails now. Like it's been about maybe four months consistently that I've put something on my nails. So I'm feeling like I could do it myself. And then she scared me because she said, if you put them on the wrong way, you can put them on your cuticle when it can lift and this, that and the other. So I think what I'm probably going to do is just get the cotton wool and the foil take this off once it grows beyond the point and just have no nails again no no nail varnish again should I say I'm in the same situation my nails are growing I don't know if you can oh, see that they're growing yeah, out almost like broken. yeah this one's broken they're growing out almost like half a centimeter now so now they're catching on things oh. which is really annoying as well so even today when I was working out, like I hit it and it was really hurting. Um, but I did see on Jada Pinkett, um, she had, but she was with someone though. I, I live on my own, so I can't do this. But like she kind of like used dental floss 
to kind of go under it and take it off and it actually saved her nail underneath which is pretty cool and then she just filed it down and, and done gel and whatever but yeah so I would like to try and save my because my nails are pretty pretty long underneath so I would like to try and save them if I can I won't be just cutting them off like no and like just like try and let it see like take its natural course and try and save them if I can that's what I'm gonna do just cut them off man I just say rebuke getting pressed on nails. Am I am I twelve? <laughs> no, yeah. Just like go on Amazon and get gel. Yeah, my sister bought her gel um machine. What machine? UV light machine type of thing. Oh, okay. I, think, to do it I might try to take them off and then do gels on top of my actual natural nails, but that's a lie. They're just gonna break if I do that. So maybe I'll just get rid of them and then wait. I, I do have a quick period dilemma because like, you know, going to the shops and shopping and everything, it takes so, so long. And I currently don't have any um, organic tampons or um, sanitary towels. So I was considering ordering a moon cap to try that out while we're on quarantine and not going out and about and stuff so it should be easy to kind of just give it a try because a moon cap just catches the liquid mm-hmm. and then you pull it out and then mm-hmm. you just empty it in the toilet mm-hmm. so i was considering that would you ladies consider using a moon cap first of all no i've considered it when it came out on the market but um because i'm out and about a lot a friend of mine did, did a diary of using a moon cup and she said it was a bit, there's times when it went wrong. And if you could think about going wrong in the worst way. Oh, um, and she was, you know, not in a space, like in the comfort of her own home. I am curious about it. I don't have the patience and I'm, my temperament during that time is not very good. I get extreme pains. I'm very cranky. So I just don't think I have the patience to even trial it. However, I do think now is the time to try something like that because you are in the comfort of your own home. And if we are going to be, if we're going to have maybe two cycles within this quarantine, it'll be a good time to kind of monitor how you get used to it and how you can actually adjust to it. And it is essentially better for the universe and maybe even better for you personally. But I want to try it. I'm not going to try it. That's the end of my story. No, 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 no. When I'm on, I have every range of size because that's my flow. It's like, it's cool. When you, have a daughter, when you have a daughter, you're going to have to explain this to her. So it's all right. You're going to have to explain it to her. But the idea of a moon cup, I saw somewhere that one, someone wore one and they couldn't get it out. Oh, like, no. I'm sorry, universe. I will do other things for you. I will not use plastic bottles and stuff like that. But no. What do you do at night? Like, your flow is completely different at night. I don't trust it. I even like sanitary towels. It's a no from me. So, like, although this, this whole conversation makes me feel really uncomfortable. Um, I will say that I think no, because it's essentially plastic and I just think it's just another toxin that can be put inside of you. So why run the risk? I think that's just a, a sacred area and it shouldn't be put things like that inside of you. Also, accidents. I wear nails. Like there's so many things that can go wrong. And like, say if you're at work, Oh my god, like it's just, I literally wouldn't be able to cope at all. Say if it's like someone you know or something like a night out or whatever, and they're just like, oh, my cup is spilt in the club bathroom. Gross. I'm not helping you with that. 
I might have to leave. I've got anxiety. And That's I, what I, I saw, I though. Someone leave. needed to help the other person, and it's just like, no. Okay, so... <laughs> I have been looking at moon cups for like the last three years to the point where my cousin was like, just shut up. And she bought me one as a surprise. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll use it. And it got like every month, yeah, I'll use it. And I just forgot. It's the whole thing of being out that would scare me. Like, and plus with the nails, suppose I just take it out and spill it on myself and it's just everywhere. And I just have to go home because of it. I just don't know. I like the concept. It's meant to be safer because obviously... Tampons and sanitary towels have the whole um, toxic shock syndrome. And I'm very cautious with stuff like that. So for me, I would prefer to use nothing. If back in the medieval times, I probably would be the me? one that has... The... <laughs> it's nothing. You I'm can talk about how you don't like chemicals or whatever, but you're still getting chemicals from the sanitary towels and the tampons. It's the same thing. I would just stay in my room and just have like some kind of medieval rag, okay? <laughs> I would be the natural bleeders. But sorry, going back to that, have you seen on Instagram where ladies are like, I'm a free bleeder, and they take pictures there was one lady that did the splits in the air. <laughs> and you could see her period on her leggings. But the worst thing was she did it with her kids. And there was a boy right next to her splits, like, <laughs> and another kid. I'm like, all right, be a free bleeder. That's cool. But do you have to make everyone be aware of it and pull people into it like your children? Your children don't need to know. Leave them out drop them out but yeah going back to the moon cup thing i still want to try it i'd have to be in my house alone with no one else and um not white bed sheets i uh would love actually a bigger revolution a way to make everything exit the body we can get one day off work and you know nine o'clock it starts ten o'clock it finishes if it's got <laughs> to be that and then we're done so this long drawn out I'm a seven-day person. I cannot cope with it. I, I mean, I can cope, obviously. Women, we rock. We go through so damn much. I don't know why. Anyway, but yeah, if we could actually invent something that would make, we can just program it to come out nine till 10, nine till six even, done. Then we move on. That's what I want about Moon Cup. Get rid of it all and just have a one-day period. Great stuff. I, I just wanted to add that a lot of people who do use them, like they take it out less than if they were wearing a tampon because it's like it holds more liquid actually what you think is like heavy isn't as heavy as you think it is when you see the actual blood so it, it can be more effective but full disclosure I have used it not for periods but when we were trying to conceive on the TCC circuit it's quite common that um, you would put a, a moon cup in afterwards to hold sperm in and then you oh, put your legs up. So okay. like you would, I would wear it for maybe, it could be the night, if it was in the night, or if it was the daytime, it would be a few hours, but it's just to ensure that the sperm doesn't leave that area and more of them go up. There actually are probably lots of women who do wear it, but not for their period. Other than the moon cups, they have those knicker things, don't they? Those are worse to me, the moon cups. Okay, so I saw the knickers, but I've been really keen, overly keen, on getting the, the reusable sanitary towels. Oh my God, everyone's faces just lit up and their eyes bulged out of their head. No, okay, so I would wear sanitary towels 
overnight. I don't like wearing tampons overnight, but I would wear a reusable sanitary towel overnight and then just wash them and just wear them. Because again, tox, toxic shock syndrome, there's none of that, there's no chemicals and it's natural. What, what is it, cotton? So this lady on Instagram that I follow, wear them out pants. This isn't a sponsored post, um, but they are reusable period pads. They're just natural fibers, I assume. And obviously it's good for the environment because there's less waste. It's in my basket. You know, when you have a wish list basket and I'm like, when I'm ready, I'm going to press send and send her the money and I want to try them out. So maybe I should try them out and report back to you ladies later. Hey, this is Auntie Farah and that was Auntie's No Best. If you have a dilemma, please send your dilemmas to dilemmas.yourauntiescouldnever at gmail.com. That's dilemmas.yourauntiescouldnever at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Auntie Shade. You're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. And now we're about to take you back, way back, back into time with When We Reminisce. Yeah, so my reminisce, my when we reminisce is about shops that are no longer around. The shops of your childhood, of your teenagehood, that you used to frequent, you used to go to, to get all your favourite things um, that were cool. I was talking to my daughter and I said, oh, Benetton. And she was like, "Bo, like, what the hell is Benetton, mum? And she spoke to me like I was like, you're so uncool, whatever you're saying is rubbish. But at the time I was like, at school, you had a Benetton school bag. That was actually a cool bag. Thank you very much. And having a good Benetton jumper was good, actually. And actually, um, Benetton campaign was very, you know, peace, we are the world, and United, United Colors, Colors of Benetton and all that kind of stuff. So that's my question. What shops are no longer around that really make you think of your childhood and your teenagehood? Shelley, that you've been off the surface, that oh, yeah. was, like, really cool. Yeah. Um, Morgan, like if you guys know Morgan, that was yeah. really, really cool. I used to get my white trousers from there to wear Raven <laughs> and Jay Norman. Also, Woolworths, like I loved Woolworths yeah. so much. Yeah. Like, I used to steal penny sweets. I remember I got caught stealing them. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was all right, but the police went to my house while they were holding me. <laughs> so when I got home, I, I just didn't think anything. <laughs> I've got the beating of my lifetime. Oh my God. Oh like my my dad was like, in all the years I've been in this country, the police have never come to my door, all this kind of stuff. Oh, mate, it was, I've never done that again. I miss CNA. Children and adults. My gran and my mum, I used to be taken and get my whole winter wardrobe or whole summer wardrobe in one go. And um, I don't know if you, are old enough to remember on Oxford Street. I think there was like three. My gran would walk down, we'd go to CNA for two hours and she'd hide stuff behind the rails and then we'd have to go to the other one for another two hours and then come back for two hours. And then we'd do it again to see if the thing that she hid was still there. <laughs> and it was long and I hated it. And that was my Saturdays with my gran. But I do miss CNA. They had some cute clothes. I guess it's kind of like a pre-Mark. That would be the equivalent now, I reckon. And I miss Mark 1 as well, because that was when um, I thought I was a little bit grown and had... I guess that would be the, <laughs> the natural step up from CNA would be Mark 1. That's when you're like, cool, and you can start wearing stuff that's not CNA. So I miss those two things. CNA is definitely on there. Morgan, I lived in Morgan. Um, and I feel actually once you said Morgan and I'm looking at my top and I'm like, actually, 
I've kind of just carried on what Morgan used to do. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was really original, but yeah. But you know what I missed? I don't know if they're still around. Body Shop. I lived in yeah, Body yeah, Shop. Yeah, yeah. Can you still? But like the scents, like Dewberry and yeah. White Mart. You can still get all of that. Yeah. Oh, I need to go back. Yeah, I love Body <laughs> Shop. When Mark One went, then I started shopping in New Look. And that carried it on. And um, Jane Norman and Kukai as well. Ah, I was just yeah. going to say Ooh, Kukai. Wow. I could go and shop in Kukai <laughs> and still feel kind of like sophisticated. British home stores, because I worked there. I had like my first ah. job in British home stores. So that was like a, a cheaper version of Marks and Spencer's. It wasn't quite up there. But I remember being traumatised because I had a Christmas job in British home stores on Kensington High Street. And they put me in the changing room and people were trying on the knickers and I was like traumatised. I was like, oh, is this what people do? That's why I washed my underwear. Anywho, um, Sasha, the shoe shop, Sasha. I remember I bought some bashment heels from Sasha. Shelly's, definitely, because I remember queuing up to get my uh, wallabies at Shelly's. Yeah, Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys, same sort of shops. I'm trying to remember if there was a Sasha's because now you said Sasha's, that's just thrown me. I need um, I need my home. Kensington High Street. There was one on Kensington High Street. No, but I grew up in South, so I don't know where what where there was one in South. I just remember Sasha's. I don't know where I went to Sasha's. I remember there was a Sasha's. I need my home girl Sharina to remind me. So oh, Sasha's and buying the Wallabies. There's a shop in Brixton called Trends. I think it was called. Yes. Trends. Yes. And that's, got, and that's where we got the trend suits from. Yes. The trend suits. You had to have a trend suit or a click suit. Either one, I had a trend suit, I couldn't get a clean suit because my mum was very much like, you're not dressing like that. However, I could get a trend suit, so I got a green one. Um, or an orange one, I can't remember what colour I got. And also, there was, what was I going to say about Shelley's was also the coolest shoe shop. Right. Chelsea Girl. There was a Chelsea Girl in Tooting, on Tooting High Street, and I was like, I can't wait. Because if you have Chelsea Girl clothes, that means you were really cool and fashionable. I dreamed, I don't think I even ever got to buy one before it went out of business. I think either, by the time when I thought it was cool, I was too young to buy my own clothes. And by the time I was old enough, I was like, you're not going Chelsea Girl, that's bait. So Chelsea Girl was a shop though, I thought it was like the epitome of fashion. Randy Stark, sorry, I grew up in Watford, so I don't know this trend suit thing. But so is trend suit like the London version of Watford Kappa? We had Kappa and like Spliffy. Different? So trend suits and click suits were part, if you're a part of like raga dancehall culture. It's not that it defined it, but that's what everyone was wearing. And that was the music we were listening to. I don't know who created it. I don't know who designed it, but it was just a culture or style. It was like wearing fishing tackle jackets, if you listen to hip hop type of thing, or baggy trousers. It was just part of black culture and it leaned. I was in South and it just seemed like you'd wear them mostly if you were, you know, affected by dancehall raga culture and stuff like that. So, uh, Probitos, ma'am. Oh my like, gosh! Seriously, that's, that's just the number one place, mate. Like, just to get all, you, do you know what I mean? Like, seriously, get all the crazy much and that and everything. And there was one place in South, in Streatham, but I can't remember the name of it, but that's where you used to get Giorgio jumpers from. I think it was opposite the cinema. I remember Giorgio jumpers. What happened to them? Oh! That was my school. I thought that was my school jumper. Seriously, I thought it was the girl. Oh my god, I loved it. How did Probito not survive? Because everybody was buying clothes from them. So how how were you not still around? Still people in that crazy designer 
it kind of went out of fashion for a bit. I think it's like you could probably you probably could do it now, to be honest. You know what I mean? It's actually quite in. Iceberg. Like, like Machino, yeah, oh, iceberg. Machino Bell. Iceberg. Versace glasses. I iceberg are still about. Are they? Yeah. I remember me and my friend went to Knightsbridge. They used to have an iceberg shop on Knightsbridge. And they called the police for us. And we were just queuing outside. <laughs> they wouldn't let us into the shop. And we were like, um, we just want to get in. And they said, no, have you got an appointment? And we were like, what do you mean have we got an appointment? We just want to get into the shop. They didn't let us in the shop. The shop. And they were like, iceberg and they were like we're gonna call the police for you so me and my friend were like all right call them then innit? we're just here and they called the police true to their word and then wow. the police came and said they're wasting people's time wow and them yeah. days when you used to go places like knightsbridge that's when you i mean it still happens now but you'd get like followed and stuff like that in all those mm. versace all them kind of shops because they'd be looking at you like you don't belong in there so yeah when ak was just talking about chelsea girl i was just thinking that i was like that with naf naf like i never managed to get a naf naf puffer it was too expensive and then the time passed me by and it was just like, yeah, by the time I could afford it, nobody was wearing naff naff puffers anymore. Aww. They were naff. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> My sister had a naff naff jacket and I really envied her for that. Hi, I'm Auntie Nana and you're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. Almost time to wrap up, but before we do, aunties, what's made you sad, mad and glad? I'm sad because yesterday the gas man came to my house and they checked my boiler and he condemned it and said that it was leaking very high levels of carbon monoxide. So that means that I have no gas. So yesterday he locked off the cooker, hot water, all of that kind of stuff. And then they said that they would come today. So that got me a little bit mad because I should have a carbon monoxide alarm and my housing haven't given me one. So I'll be getting on to them about that. It made me sad because I couldn't cook and I had to order takeaway yesterday. And then today I was glad because they were coming to fix it, but I am now sad again because they only turned my cooker on because they need parts. So I'm still without hot water and I'm boiling my kettle a thousand times to have the most shallow kind of <laughs> old school buff. No, yesterday when I gave when I did it for my daughter, she was like, "Mummy, can I have some more water?" And I was like, "No, you can't." <laughs> That's my sad, mad, sad. No glad. I don't really have a sad and mad, other than you guys keep on talking about periods. That's about it for that. But um, <laughs> uh, my glad is it's my birthday tomorrow. Uh, I'm very happy and excited. Um, this is going to be my first quarantine birthday, so. <laughs> you know um we'll see how it goes but yeah um i'm quite happy even despite being in quarantine and not being able to see my friends and family in the flesh my sad mad glad um for today i'm sad that for many many years i mispronounced the word dungarees and i always used to call them dunglories and my husband was the one that noticed he's like sorry what i'm like dungarees <laughs> and he corrects me i was like for 35 to 36 years I mispronounced and I said it to my sister and she was like what Dunganese and I was like sorry <laughs> she mispronounced them too um I'm mad I can't say the word gen so I can say it now because it's written down generification I can never say it if it's not a Dunganese what word oh so I'm saying it wrong now 
Gentrification. Gentrification. Oh. Yeah, okay. I'm mad that I can't say that word and it's really irritating. Um, and I'm glad, I'm happy, I'm not alone when it comes to mispronunciations of common words. Who told you not alone? <laughs> or my Please. sister. Please. My yeah. sister saying Dunganese. <laughs> Um, we didn't grow up together, so obviously this dunglaries, dunglaries, yeah, dunglaries are a very hard <laughs> word to say. Not if you read it. No. no, maybe I didn't see the word enough in like school books. Fly, I'm sad that my stomach is in pain. I'm mad that my stomach is in pain. I'm glad that your stomach is in pain. No, I'm actually glad that um, my daughter has just announced she's passed her most recent assessment assignment she's a student nurse and that shit is hard and she's passed an assignment so yay i'm glad she's getting through it so i'm really sad of the continuous stories about the um, nhs nurses not having protective wear it, i was mad for a little bit but now i'm just really sad that we're still in this situation and then I'm thoroughly mad at the MPs for getting a top up on their credit cards when the rest of us can't even get any money out of the out of the government. And then to top it off, did you hear about in Sweden, all you have to do is fill in an application and then they, they have been given their citizens like 2000, just like that. And it's a one page application, go to the government website and you get topped up. So that pissed me off as well that we just don't have something as simple as that in place where we can just get a top up even if it was a few hundred pounds just to get us through um but i'm really glad that the sun is out and i haven't noticed any chemtrails in a little while <laughs> no, no, you um, hilarious. <laughs> thank you aunties if you want to follow the aunties here's how you can you can follow me, Auntie AK, on all plat social media platforms at The British Blacklist. You can follow me, Auntie Nana, on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter at Love Yaya. You can follow me, Auntie Shade, at Shade Salami on all platforms. You can follow me, Auntie Sarita, on most platforms Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Facebook at Hey Sarita. And you can follow me, Auntie Farah, on Instagram at FarOutProductions77. Hey, I'm Auntie Sarita, and you've been listening to Your Aunties Could Never, hosted by the British Blacklist. Head over to SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify to listen back. Don't forget to follow us on Your Aunties Could Never over at Instagram. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and comment. Later. Bye.